Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So tonight's sutta is on the Saraputta Sutta. Um, we're getting to that part in this structured study of Vipassana, uh, introspective insight into the three marks of existence, where we're actually looking at the method the Buddha developed to recognize and abandon fabrications rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths. So you'll notice the progression. Uh, five classes or so ago, we started looking specifically at what the, how the Buddha described the self and very specifically that the Buddha did not say there's no such thing as a self or that the self is nothing or empty. He taught just the opposite. He thought that the, the human being is the substantial element that we're dealing with. And it is because of ignorance rooted in, in um, if the application is rooted in ignorance of four noble truths that we create an illusory self that is constantly prone to stress and suffering. So as we develop jhana meditation, in this sutta we're being told that is a tool we use to recognize fabrications as they are arising in, in our thoughts and our thought constructs and to simply abandoning them. And of course, we need a way to do that. A mind that is rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths is prone to constant distraction. That's what we grasp after to maintain that, that fabrication. The Buddha realized this, and so he introduced a meditation method that was unheard of in his time. It was not a meditation method that people used. People meditated just like they do today for all types of reasons, but none of them were for deepening concentration then and today. And I can tell that about today because I, I'm not sure about every human meditation method, but none of them that I tried, and I tried hundreds of them, none of them were geared towards deepening concentration, except at least in an effective way. Some of them said, well, if you do continuous bowing as your meditation practice, that the, the repetition will deepen concentration. I don't see how that possibly could because you're not working with your mind, you're working with your body. That's another, another subject, though, that we won't get into tonight. Jhana meditation is the method that the Buddha taught to recognize and abandon fabrication. It takes a well-concentrated mind in order to do that. The Saraputta Sutta, the cessation of ignorance. This is from the Angatara Nikaya. On one occasion, Venerable Ananda visited Venerable Saraputta, they exchanged courteous greetings, and Ananda took a seat next to his friend. Ananda asked a question. Dear friend, could one develop concentration to the point that they would not be sensitive to, meaning perception of, not be sensitive to the earth or the elements of the earth? That means all phenomenal world. Could one develop concentration to the point that they would not be sensitive to the infinitude of space or of consciousness? Could one develop concentration to the point that they would not be sensitive to nothingness or, or of neither perception nor non-perception? Notice that if Ananda is asking those questions, he's concerned about losing the sensitivity towards things that we now know are pure fabrications and Saraputta knows are fabrications. Could one develop concentration to the point that they would not be sensitive to this world or the next world, that speculative uh, nature of of a common human mind that's always seeking to establish itself, whether here or in, the, in some non-physical realm. Would this one still be sensitive to what is occurring? In other words, the Buddha, the, Ananda is asking the central theme 
the central concern that people have when they first start grasping the intent of the Buddhist Dhamma, which is recognizing and abandoning all self-referential views. And that seems like annihilation. So Ananda is making the connection between that belief that, hmm, it seems a little bit like the loss of self, and applying it specifically to his belief system, such as the fabricated belief in nothingness or the, or the plane of perception or non-perception, and the grasping, his grasping and clinging nature to these fabrications is coming out in these questions. And of course, Saraputta recognizes it. Yes, dear friend Ananda, even with great concentration, this one could be sensitive to what is occurring. He's reassuring him. Please explain how one could develop concentration so that they would be sensitive to, to earth or to this world or the next and still be sensitive to what is occurring. What Ananda doesn't grasp at this point, and we may not, but what Saraputta is grasping is he knows the difference between a fabrication and reality. And so he can understand in this moment a fabrication arising, see it clearly and let it go, and understand that through this practice, his mind is rooted in reality because of jhana practice. He says, let me explain how I do this. On one occasion, I was here in Sabati at the blind man's grove. I developed concentration to the point that I was neither sensitive to this earth, to the earth, or to this world or the next world. And, and sensitive, excuse me, The word sensitive is very different than sensuality, isn't it? It's two different words. We have to be careful that we don't tie the two together because of the, the common root. Sensuality or the constant need for sensual indulgence is the problem of eye-making and, and, and is rooted in eye-making. Sensitivity in this context is using your senses, the five-sense space and that sixth sense of concentration framed by the Eightfold Path so where once contact with the phenomenal world would simply reaffirm and reestablish ignorance, to a mind well concentrated and, and having integrated the framework of refined or right mindfulness, now things are seen in reality. And we're able to develop a mind fully awakened because it's viewing reality and not a fabrication. Is that clear to everyone? Please say yes, yes if it's yes. not, because I can't see it. And online that's clear? Because that's the point of the Buddha's Dhamma. And it's, and it's important to understand that distinction. Because while we shouldn't be compulsive about being focused on the distinction between a fabrication and reality, we must be... What, Matt? Sorry. Sensitive, sensitive. Sensitive to what's we must be sensitive to it. We must be. It's not, that's not, a, um, it's not an option as Dhamma practitioners. We're always striving for that level of gentle sensitivity to what's occurring. And it is a gentle sensitivity because if, if it's beyond gentleness, in fact, I would say if it feels like beyond a gentle sensitivity to what's occurring, to look at it because it's probably an aspect of grasping or clinging there. Or self-establishment. Or self-establishment. Clinging to that self-establishment. Thank you, Matt. And, only and even, in a, even in a thought that's, that's progressing towards reality, there is still that or can still be that aversion to it. And it's important to recognize. It's very, very subtle. David, please. And, and only because Sarah Proof has developed that concentration that he understands he's simply this six-property human being. So he he's grounded in reality based on what all the truths. So therefore, he's aware of everything arising and passing away and knows the difference. And only because he's grounded in that the understanding that this is simply what I am, he knows what he can't be. That's outstanding. 
the, the six property, per, what David is saying brilliantly, the six property person, a person who understands that all that they can ever be is a six property person, as taught in the Dr. Vibhanga Sutta, can never embellish itself or accommodate itself towards a reality that is rooted in fabrication. It simply can't be done. And yet human beings live their entire life stuck in that fabrication. That's what Siddhartha awakened to. That's the problem, is living in a fabrication. So the solution is extricating yourself from the fabrication. You, you could say that the problem with... Maybe it's not the problem. The disappointing nature of the Buddha's Dhamma is that it's not salvific. That we can't recognize that I'm... That I'm uh, I can accept the fact that I'm stuck in ignorance, but I don't believe that I can get myself out of it, so I need a salvation, a, sa a savior. That is the most self-centered view anybody could have. Think about it for a moment. I know I'm messed up, but I can't save myself. It's a thought that's always grasping at more, isn't it? I'm not good enough to do it myself. That's a thought that's rooted in self-loathing. How could it not be? How could any human being think that they're not capable of living a human life? You have it. Whether you think it's a gift of God or you just happen to find yourself having a human life, which is what Siddhartha discovered. You're having a human life. You might as well be fully present with it and stop kidding yourself and fabricating yourself out of that existence. That requires jhana and refined mindfulness. Sariputta continues. I'm going to re repeat what I just said. I developed concentration to the point that I was neither sensitive to the earth or to this world or the next world, and yet... I continue to be sensitive to what is occurring. I've let aside all the fabrications. I'm not rooted in fabrications, and yet I'm still here. I'm still present for life as life occurs. He's answering Ananda's question. How can you get beyond all of that, all that Ananda thinks is my reality and all of reality, leave that behind and still be having a human life? And Saraputta's saying, guess what, my friend Ananda? I'm having a human life and you're not. Please tell me, Ananda says, dear friend, what were you sensitive of at that point? What's there? What is reality? Ananda, I was sensitive to the cessation of becoming further ignorant of Four Noble Truths. Ananda, Saraputta is telling Ananda, I was sensitive that if I continued along with that thinking, I'm sensitive, I'm aware, I'm mindful of, I would simply become further ignorant. Saraputta is declaring, I was mindful of the choice that every human being has in each and every moment. Am I grasping after continued ignorance or am I welcoming an awakening? Am I glad to be a human being in a, real, in a real sense? Am I embracing, am I allowing myself to be a fully awake, fully mature human being or am I continuing to resist it through ignorance? And that's what Saraputta is asking Ananda. This is the choice that we all have in each moment. Ananda, I was, I was sensitive to the cessation of becoming further ignorant of four noble truths. I was sensitive to unbinding. I was sensitive to that moment of recognizing and abandoning fabrications. That's unbinding. And that's how the Buddha describes an awakened human being, too, as totally unbound from fabrications. And so you see, this is the process of developing awakening. Jhana meditation, not something else, not visualizations, not bowing, not, not praying, not appeasing or appealing to gods. Concentration. I was sensitive to the arising and the passing away of all phenomena. So imagine the profound nature of what Saraputta just said. 
to someone whose mind is still distracted. I'm sitting here sensitive to the arising and passing away of all phenomena. What's he saying there, sensitive to? Kevin, as opposed to? Can you clarify what you're asking? He is, yeah. Saraputra is holding himself as an example of someone who is now sensitive to the arising and passing away phenomena without getting caught up in it. Mm-hmm. What would being the caught up? What would that be called? Being caught up in it. It's kind of an unfair question I'm putting on you. He's describing the arising and passing way of stress and suffering. And what is that called when we're caught up in that distraction? I'll answer the question. I, I know you, you dukkha. 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 Yes. Saraput is describing to Ananda the nature of distraction and why we need to be concentrated. It's on this point. So that I can unbind myself. Why do I have to do it? Because no one else is going to do it. The world is very happy. Well, I wouldn't say it's happy. It's designed. It's not designed. It's structured as such to keep us in ignorance. That's the world. That's the nature of ignorance. In that sense, you can say that an awakening understanding is the world is here to preserve ignorance. And it is because as long as human beings continue to preserve their own ignorance, then the world is a reflection of that, isn't it? It's not a choice. The world doesn't have a, the world doesn't have a choice as to ha- as as to its nature, does it? The world is a reflection of the nature involved in it, or the nature of the world, and that's in this case, it's human beings. Kevin, please. No, it I, it takes concentration to see. The world in action to see yourself fabricate and attaching to the world. Yes. Or it's just happening to you, which is how most people live their lives and how most people feel, right? I mean, I bet you we've all felt at least different times in our lives that, that we had no control and things are just happening to us. It's also the difference between being sensitive to it and grasping for that. Yeah. That, because if you, you, if you think you're getting it or I'm awakening... You're missing the whole point. The whole point is to be sensitive to it and be aware that when it arises. But it's not something you you can't you do jhana. You can't make jhana. Yeah, that's you, right. You know, it, it's it, and it's that subtle thing that I think that even Ananda at this point was struggling with. That am I losing something? Am I losing my specialness? And Sarah is saying, "This is what." Real life is yeah. So it, it's just a. I love when you did it at the retreat, and this is such a perfect little, you know, we're describing before class these long suttas, and this is a perfect, perfect little sutta. Yeah, it is. Kevin, thank you. You sort of uh, we're getting to this, but you know, when you said, you know, when the world we feel like we don't have control, or or we're at, what do we do? We turn. Our mindfulness to the sensation of breathing, to the awareness of feelings and thoughts and the quality of our mind. We practice jhana off the cushion, which is how we can access that with four foundations of mindfulness. I mean, that's when when we find that we don't have the control, we have a place to go. We have a place to say, wow, we're, we're, wow, it's just, just the world being the world and it seems to be, (laughs) seem to have lost my focus for a moment. I seem to be not well concentrated in this moment and as this practice we have the ability to, to do better and do as we were I'm told. sorry I didn't mean to interrupt, I didn't no, mean no. That, that to interrupt but I thought you were done what you're describing is true refuge 
You are. You're in this moment. You're finding that your mind is disturbed or distracted in some way. And I remember that 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 place of pure refuge. And you take take a breath, and you're back there. Right. That's that's being sensitive to phenomena arising, right? Yep. That's what he's describing. Yep. And that I'll briefly talk about this because I mentioned that the cities of refuges that were all around the, the island, the Hawaiian Islands, and that were there when there was conflict, inner conflict in the, with the islands. That there was tens, dozens of different kingdoms on the islands, and they were all fighting with each other for hundreds of years. But they had a sensitivity and a brilliance about their, and their underlying philosophy, and it was this, that they, they established all over the islands these places called the cities of refuges, and some of them are still there. They're magnificent places, even just to, just to think about the history. What these were was, if you were involved in a conflict, you were on this side, the other kingdom's on that side, and you couldn't stand it anymore. You had enough, and you wanted to get out of it. If you left the conflict and you could make it to us to one of these places of refuge, you were safe there until the end of the conflict, and then you were repatriated back to your back to your clan. Brilliant! Imagine if we could do that today; we'd probably end the war pretty quickly. The Dhamma is just that way, isn't it? In the midst of the conflict in the world, we can choose to leave it behind and enter our own city of refuge of the Dhamma, and it works just as effectively. We can stay there until a conflict is over out there, meaning in our minds out there, and then enter the world gracefully and at peace. And it will never affect us again. That's a, a well-concentrated mind. Um, did we, <laughs> I lost track of where I was coming with that. Oh, let's just finish the sutra. Um, David said something that got me thinking, but we'll finish. I was sensitive of the arising and the passing away of all phenomena. Just as a wood, a wood fire's flames arise and pass away, I was sensitive un, of unbinding from... What unbinding from what? Unbinding from wrong. I'm not unbinding from the world. I'm not giving up anything, literally, except wrong views. Why wouldn't I want to give it up? I thought that was the end of the sutra. And it's a good place to end that whole thing on Jonathan. Thinking about Ananda's concern with jhana practice and what he's learning about the Dhamma and what he thinks he has to give up, and he's got this, this, this underlying concern that it still is rooted in self-loathing, and it's a general underlying concern. What happens to me? And the Buddha told me, it's not you. It's not what you are. We remind ourselves constantly in that moment, because our, we have developed a measure of concentration that we're able to do this, when we're caught up in the world again, when we're caught up in the arising and the passing away of ordinary phenomena and making it personal, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not what I am. We train for calm. We train calm for calm. in an uncalm world. And it's the ultimate liberation. Can you think about that? Imagine what the Buddha discovered. In a, in a world that is rooted in self-centeredness, the key to happiness is this is not me, this is not mine, this is not what I am. It's the ultimate contradiction to what the world is presenting to us as what we should want out of life. This is not me. This is not mine. This is not what I am. It's not a hiding place. It's, it's a refuge to it, develop. It's, a, it's, a, it's shining the spotlight on your own life. Like I, when I first started, it was like, I need to figure out how to relax and get my blood pressure down. And that's hiding. That's right. And then you realize it's to develop. And to become wise, and that's a that's a far different path, but that's the path to be on. That's that's human life. That's having a human life. And again, it's it's not. 
it, it shouldn't be any different. Mm. It, it's just, it, it, it shouldn't be any different because it can't be any different. I, I'm saying that because I'm going to get an email tomorrow saying, I heard you talk last night. What about all those people that don't? They don't. There, there's not a why. Years ago, I had this great friend of mine, Father Ken, and he used to say, don't ever ask that question why. He says, if you, if you ask, keep asking that question, you're going to lose your mind. And Father Kenny would then say, I know because I lost my mind nine times. He literally had nine nervous breakdowns from asking that question why. But then he also said, just to finish the story, he said, don't worry about losing your mind. You can just get another one. I always like that. <laughs> Matt, how are you tonight? Good, John. Good to see everybody here. Good to see hear everyone online. Um, just to really, you know, I like the way that, that this is how Ananda and Saraputta have been sort of batting this back and forth and uh, getting to the bottom of fabrications. Um, I don't have anything to add tonight. Thank you, Matt. Glad you're here. David. Thank you, John. I'm good. See you. Thank you. Kevin. Oh, thank you, John. This See. is a... Uh, talk that is always uh, refreshing to hear again and, and it's it's really uh, a profound talk profound yeah. sutta it's, it's a, almost a complete teaching and it really is uh, personal so our is really touching us you know and uh, yeah. I noticed the one part that always just gets me he said you know Ananda's asking such you know, vast questions and, and he says to him to try and steer him back he said when I was at the blind man's grove and I always laugh, he's like, because you're asking these questions, but th I didn't know either until I sat here and symbolically the blind man's grove, ah, you know, he, yeah. he, he didn't know until he was really well concentrated. Yeah. You know, I just thought that was funny. It's kind of a <laughs> little detail he puts in there for him. Yeah, really. You, you see a lot. Of it. Thank you. Tom, how are you tonight? I'm very well. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your teaching. I think that was a... Uh, as you know, I'm in early stages of this. It's such an elegant sutta. Yeah. Kind of precise. It's like a jewel. Yeah, that's how I see it. Like a jewel. And it really gets right to the to the heart of what we're doing. And again, when I I never you know, I spent many years in modern Buddhism, never heard anything. I never even heard the word jhana. I don't think. Um, and and it wasn't until I started actually reading it. I think, it, 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 I mean, I say it all the time. It said Arthur was just a brilliant human being, but it is so simple. You hear, I say it all the time. It's simple. It's direct, and it's actually easy, except that our minds are so complicated and we so grasp onto fabrications that it, it seems difficult, but it isn't. We're just we're just entering reality. Hello, Jane. How are you? I'm enjoying my virtual visit with my Sangha buddies. <laughs> um, yeah. I, the Sutta too. It's just, you know, Jhana gives us the ability to, to take control of our minds. I mean, yeah. to decide, you know, whether to continue ignorance or to seek wisdom and, and the peace that comes with that. So, yeah. it's I just like the idea that I can do this. Yeah, I don't too. have to depend on anybody else. Yeah. That's it. And, you know, some people would say, well, that sounds pretty arrogant to even say that. Well, it just makes sense. Why wouldn't I? Uh, why wouldn't a human being want to be their own sovereign? When, especially when it's based in reality. It's not like it's not like I don't need anybody. It's not that kind of arrogant thing. It's that it's not that I don't need anybody. It's that I don't need anything. Because no matter what I think I need, I'm wrong. You know, 
actually the Buddha says every human being needs four things, food, clothing, shelter, and medicine. But those things are readily available. We don't need to grasp after food, clothing, shelter, or medicine. In fact, most human beings have to practice restraint with food, clothing, shelter, and medicine, don't we? I mean, some don't. Some people are lacking that. But most human beings, the problem isn't, isn't having too little, it's having way too much. Uh, Steve, how are you tonight? Doing good, thank you, John. And a uh, very interesting sutra, and it's a uh, point to uh, things, uh, all phenomena uh, arise and pass away. And, uh, also, it's good we are able to experience this when we do jhana meditation. Yeah. Steve, how, how is your jhana meditation practice? I'm just going to pick on you tonight, so you're lucky. In relation to this to this sutta, do you see that, that development and recognition of fabrications as they arise? Yes, and it stays for a while and pass away. It's exactly what you mentioned. Beautiful. Both, uh, we uh, are able to sometimes experience in uh, a realistic life. And like everything inside of my mind arises, stays for a while and pass away. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Well, we're going to continue with a few more classes on jhana. Where's my iPad? Uh, yeah, it's okay to have an early class once in a while, huh? We'll finish with uh, with meta as we always do. Scare it up. And again, I uh, uh, I cleaned up the newsletter, changed it uh, a little bit. I'd appreciate any feedback. Uh, you know, tell me that it's really brilliant. If you don't like it, keep it to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, any, I really would appreciate any feedback, uh, positive or negative, as they say. The Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. Hey, let me introduce you. Take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath. And these are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class. Thank you, John. Peace. Thank you, John. Uh, one thing I failed to mention is our friend. Thank you for listening. 
I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.